One of my favorite things about scripture is opening it up, reading it, and trying to glean some sort of nugget for me to enjoy, but then also applying that truth to our lives. Because I find that a lot of Christian speakers will focus on what the verses say, and that is great, and there is so much value in that, but then I'm always left wondering, okay, but how do I do that? And so today, I want to try and be really practical and share with you about how we can actually be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. So stick with me as I share with you three practical things that you can do today to go from knowing the word of God to doing the word of God. Welcome to the Christian Minute, where every week I dive into a topic that's relevant to the Christian faith. Join me as I explore the Bible and share personal stories of how faith has impacted our lives and how practical it can be in any given scenario. Whether you're a longtime believer or just starting your journey, my goal is to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out your faith in today's world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's spend the next few minutes together. I'm your host, Anne Markey, and I can't wait to start this journey with you. Welcome to the Christian Minute Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I just launched my podcast. So before we jump into today's episode, please hit that subscribe button and share this episode with one friend. That will go a long way to growing the show and help me continue to bring you great stories of how practical the Bible can be. If you don't know who I am, my name is Anne Markey. I'm a Christian speaker and author and creator of the Christian Growth Hub. Today, I want to try and be really practical and share with you from James chapter 1, verses 21 to 24. If you have your Bibles with you, please open up to James chapter 1. And like I said, we'll be reading from verses 21 to 24. And they say, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So these four verses are full of really rich material, and they can actually be separated in three parts. And each of those parts calls for a very specific action. Our first action is that we must lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. The first step to having a close relationship with God is putting our old nature aside and actually putting it to death. We can find this idea again in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24, and I'm going to read them, and they say, This I say, therefore, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been bought by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God 
into righteousness and holiness. As I was reading those verses, I realized that I'm reading from the New King James. And so if some of that wording isn't familiar to you, that's why. And so if you're having a hard time sometimes doing scripture reading because you're not understanding what it's saying, I encourage you to try a different version. If you have a Bible app, you can easily go on it, find the piece of scripture that we're reading, and then just change the translation. There are multiple verses in the Bible that tell us that we can't have it both ways. We can't have our old nature and our new nature at the same time. We could only ever have one nature. And the scripture makes this choice pretty clear. We're either of the world or of Christ. When I think about this, the best analogy I can think about is a coin. A coin has two sides and it, each side can't be facing up at the same time. And so the same thing is true in our relationship with the Lord. We're either wicked and separated from God or we are holy through the Lord Jesus Christ. We just can't have it both ways. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not really sure what side you're on, I want you to just take a moment and pause and to do some reflection. Look into your heart and ask where you are. And if that means you don't listen to anything else during this conference, that's okay. Because the most important thing is for you to know with 100% surety that you are with the Lord, that you choose salvation. So salvation is always goal number one. And goal number two is to grow in Christ. So if you're not sure, please make that a priority and just have a complete piece of where you stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not sure how to answer that question, please reach out. You can message me on Facebook. You can even email me at wondertermanedlife at gmail.com. And I'd love to talk to you about these things. Tell me if this sounds like you. You want to read your Bible, but you have a hard time finding time in your busy schedule to do it. Don't worry, you're not alone. One of the biggest barriers Christian women face in reading their Bibles is finding time in their day to do it. That's why I'm so excited to invite you to register for my free webinar that will help you find creative ways to incorporate scripture into your daily routine. In this free webinar, you'll learn four simple ways you can incorporate scripture into your day. You'll discover how these practices can strengthen your faith and keep you connected to God's word throughout your day. And then you'll learn about a resource you can use to do all four. To register, go to www.onedeterminedlife.com forward slash webinar. Can't wait to see you there. So as I said, the scripture makes it pretty clear that we have to choose between our old nature and our new nature. But as I get older, I realize how hard it is to actually change my frame of mind change my thinking and to change my behavior. Current medical practices understand this as well, that just stopping behavior isn't enough. If all we're doing is stopping behavior and we're not replacing that with something else, then the chances of us going back to our old behavior is actually really high. And the best example I can give you of this is um, if you're my age, you probably remember the just say no to drugs campaigns. But what they found is that saying no isn't enough. You need the next step. You're saying no to one thing, but you need to fill that gap with something. And so now they still encourage you to stay off drugs, 
but they don't just leave it at that. They're like, okay, don't do drugs, but do this instead. Replace that old behavior with something new. And we see this concept in scripture as well. And this brings us to the second portion in these verses. And it is receive the Lord as Savior. We find in James chapter 1 verse 22, it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So we already talked about that first part, right? That first part is to lay it aside. But now we want to pick up new behavior. And the new behavior that we're picking up, it says the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. Now, when we read scripture, it uses a lot of figurative language. And so when I hear the implanted word, at first, it's hard to really try and understand what that means. But basically, it's just a fancy way of saying that the word of God became flesh among us. So we know that God in flesh is Jesus himself. So when it says to receive the implanted word, that means that we're then receiving Christ. And we know from other New Testament scripture that once we are saved, we are then sealed with the Holy Spirit. Not only is our old self dead, but we actually receive a living Spirit of God within us. Ephesians chapter 4 confirms this as well. And I'll reread some of this portion. And so I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. And they say that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted accordance with the lust of deceit, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. So I hope that you can see through these two different scriptures that I'm reading that these steps are quite clear. Step number one, lay aside our old self, put ourselves, our old sin nature to death. But we don't stay dead. The word of God says, no, now you pick up a new spirit, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see this over in scripture when it says that in Christ, we are a new creation. He makes us new. All the past has been put away and now all things have become new. Now that we have our new spirit within us, it's time for the next step. And this third section talks about be doers of the word and not hearers only. So not only should we be putting to death our sinful selves and then put on Christ, but we must then actually do what the word of God tells us to do. So let's read these scriptures again in James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror and he observes himself, 
goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful doer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. I personally really love these scriptures because it's so clear that you can't just know the word of God. You actually have to do it. And I know a lot of Christians who know the Bible backwards and forwards. I know a lot of Christians who have memorized full chapters, even books of the Bible. And growing up, we would I would be in settings where they would have quizzes about scripture or, you know, these people that would know all the random facts and could list all these different details of every single piece of scripture. And it was really easy to look at those type of people and say, wow, they must be so spiritual. They know all these things. And for a while, the devil really used that to discourage me because I'm not a good memorizer. I don't remember all the details and specifics and order and all these things. And so in those scenarios where you know, you're doing competitions and it's about like Bible trivia, I did horribly. So in those settings, it was really easy to feel like, okay, I'm the bad Christian. I don't know any of those things. But thankfully, the Lord showed me that he does not measure our relationship with him with how much details and information we actually know from scripture. That you can know scripture backwards and forwards and still not be doing anything about it. You're not actually letting it change your heart and you're not letting it change your behavior. And we can see this in the spiritual leadership on earth when Jesus came. These men who knew the Torah backwards and forwards, and yet they were not acting it out in their lives. The laws that they added on the laws, um, the temple where they would basically swindle people to buy lambs for sacrifice. We see how much that upsets Jesus when he flips the tables over. And those were the spiritual leaders. They knew all the things, but the Lord still speaks against them because it's not good enough to just know the word of God. The Lord wants us to know his word, but he also wants us to know him and he wants that to change who we are. That even though we are only saved once, that once we're saved, we're slowly becoming more and more like him until one day we will be perfected with him in glory. So these scriptures, it tells us, right, that it's, we can't just know the word of God. We actually have to do it. But we also know that saying you're going to do something and actually doing it are two very different things. My husband and I, we have three kids They are 13, 10, and 7. And parenting is the hardest thing I've ever done. But one of the reasons why I love it is because of the spiritual lessons I learn through parenting. Now, I have a son who's 7, and he loves playing with Lego. And sometimes he can be sitting there and playing with Lego for a really long time. And part of me really loves that because it means he's occupied. 
But then what I find is when we say, okay, time for dinner, come to the table, and my son replies, I'm coming. And then a few minutes later, he's still not at the table. He's still playing with Legos. So then I try again. Seth, time for dinner. And my son always replied, I'm just finishing something. I'll be a minute. And so then we find ourselves that we have to, you know, go directly to him and say, no, I've called you for dinner. You know, lay that aside. You'll come back to it later. But for now, you have to come and do this. And I love that the Bible compares God to being a good father. Because there are often moments in my parenting where I am parenting my kids, but as I'm saying something to them, I hear the Lord in my brain going, I've been trying to teach you that lesson too, Anne. And just like I call my children to come and do something, and I call them to do it right now, so does God. God calls us to do something. I'll often tell the Lord, like, God, tell me what to do. Send me anywhere. You know, like, I'm happy to do whatever you want. But then when it comes to actually doing it, sometimes I'm paralyzed. Or sometimes my own thoughts get in the way, and it takes me a while to process all the things I need to then be in a place where I'm actually not just willing to say I'm going to obey, but then to actually go and do the things I know he's called me to do. So I, I think we'll, we can all agree that saying that we're willing to obey and actually obeying can be two very different things. But as a parent, there is no better feeling than when I ask my kids to set the table, for example, And they come right away and they set the table. They're not late five minutes. They don't need to be reminded, right? You're not walking them through every single step. You ask them to do it. They come and they do it. Like that is the best parenting moment because there's no fighting, no arguing, no none of those things. Just a parent calling for their children to do something and the child saying, yep, coming and doing it and then doing it well. But this is what I love about the Lord. He doesn't just call us to obedience for nothing. When we obey the Lord, it does two things. Number one, obedience to the Lord is an expression of our love for him. Second John chapter one, verse six says this. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandments that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. We know from scripture that when it comes to commandments, it boils down to this. There's a story of a man who comes to God and says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds to love the Lord with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Every single action and thought boils down to those two things. So if we're doing something or thinking something that isn't glorifying God, that isn't loving our neighbor, then we shouldn't be doing and that's disobedience to the Lord. 
So you don't need to memorize even the Ten Commandments. You don't even need to memorize all the laws from the Old Commandments. We can just remember one, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And like I said, every single one of our thoughts and our actions boils down to those two things. So if you're ever wondering whether or not you're obeying the Lord's command, audit your actions and your thoughts. Take a moment, write things down saying, you know, these are the things I'm thinking. These are the things I'm doing. And then go through them. Okay, is this loving my neighbor? Nope. Okay, I need to work on that. And hey, I know that sometimes going through that is hard because the more I get to know Christ, the more I realize how sinful I am and how far I am from being perfect. And the whole point of that exercise isn't to make you feel bad and it isn't to make you feel guilty. It's about realizing how much we need the Lord because we can't do those two things on our own. We need the Lord to help us. And that's why when we put our old man to death, he gives us his spirit. So he's not just calling us to obedience and saying, okay, you got to figure it out. He gives us the tools and resources and support we need to do it. Like that setting the table example that I said to you. My kids are at an age that I know they can do those steps without any help. But when they were younger, they couldn't reach the cups and the plates. So what I would do is I would take those plates down from the shelf and I put them on the counter. And so then they were still able to obey me and do what I've asked, but I've made that expectation and met them at their level. I wasn't asking them to do something. I know they couldn't do it. I was supporting them so that they could fully obey me without fighting. And I believe the Lord does the same thing, that when he calls us to obedience, he knows our abilities, he knows our limitations, and he works with us so that we can obey him. He doesn't call us to obedience and then lets us just figure it out. He gives us what we need so we can be successful in our obedience to him. So not only is obeying the Lord an expression of our love to God, but it's also evidence that the spirit of God is working in us. Ephesians chapter four, verse one to three says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So these verses include words that say that the Lord wants us to walk in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And so I love that even though we can boil down all commandments to that two verses in the New Testament, the Lord knows that sometimes we may need more details. And so there are verses that tell us exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And Ephesians chapter 4 say humility, gentleness, patience, bearing, and working, maintaining unity. And I know that I 
cannot check every single one of those boxes that there is still some things that I need to grow in. And again, it's not to be discouraging. It's just another evidence that I need the Lord. And when I am patient and when I am gentle, I know that that's not my nature because I know that that's, that's not me. So if people are seeing those things in me, it's because the spirit is working in me and you're not seeing me. You're actually seeing the Lord through me. And we have some more examples of the Lord's working in us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15. And they say, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. All of these verses are really good litmus tests to see how we're doing. When we look at our lives, do we see signs of kindness, humility, gentleness, unity? If not, it means that we're quenching the Holy Spirit. Because when we are obeying God, those things will naturally flow from our hearts because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So I know in this session, I've given you a lot to think about. And so I just want to take a minute to recap the steps that I talked about and then also give you some action steps you can do after this presentation. So we were reading from James chapter 1 verses 21 to 27 and we talked about three different things. First, that is to lay aside sin. Second is to receive the Lord. And third is to be a doer of the word. And when we looked about doing the word, we saw that Obeying Christ is the best way that we can show our love to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we obey God and he's working in us, we see that our gentleness, our patience, anything really good about us is a fruit of the Holy Spirit working in us. As I said at the beginning, I really love making scripture really practical. And so I have some action steps for you to take. The first is to examine your heart and to see if you've admitted to Christ and a sinner in need of saving. So if you're in this presentation and you're not sure you're saved, I've already talked about this, but this is how critical this is. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. So if you're not sure, take that time, examine yourself. Like I said, if you are obeying their Lord, you will have fruit in your life that you can check yourself against. Am I patient? Am I kind? Do I like spending time with other Christians? If all those answers are no, then you need to have a serious conversation with the Lord because it's either that you're not saved or that you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Two, ask yourself if there's any evidence in your life of your obedience to God. If so, what does that look like for you? If not, what steps can you take to grow that fruit in your life. And then step three, which is I know probably the hardest for me, 
is to examine your heart to determine whether or not you are obeying God. Because I know that probably everyone listening to this, there's probably one area that you know the Lord's asked you to do something and you haven't done it. And I'm guilty of it as well. So I'm not just talking to you. This is talking to my own heart. So I'm not condemning. I'm just encouraging you to examine your heart. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Christian Minute. I hope that through our discussion, you've been able to gain a deeper understanding and insight into the practicality of the Christian faith in today's world. My goal is to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus and to use the Bible practically in your life. I look forward to continuing this journey with you next week. Until then, may the Lord bless and encourage you.